All right, our scripture today is 2 Kings 4, 8 through 37. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, oh, man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. When the child has, had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again 
and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. The word of the Lord. Pray with me before we begin here. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. And everything written in this book is there for a reason. And you want to speak to our hearts. And you really want to change our lives. And I pray that you would do that today. That you would speak to us and help us to understand what you're saying to us. And help us to hear what you're saying to us and obey you. Because you want to bless us. You want to meet us. You who are the author of life, who are very life itself, want to be close to us. Help us to want to be close to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just tell you a little story about a, something that, that uh, I, I went through and had to do and and it was uh, simply this, that about, um, 20, about 2011, uh, I had 10 inches of rain out of my place within five days. Uh, the roof leaked. Inside walls got a little bit wet. I figured I better fix this or I'm going to lose my house. So I had to tear some of the plaster down upstairs in, in, the, in the rooms. I don't hardly use any of those rooms up there, but I had to tear some of the well, it, plaster because it's not sheetrock. It's old uh, lath and pl plaster on it. I had to tear that down out of a couple of rooms and, and see if the insulation got wet. Fortunately, it didn't. And, and I had you know get an air conditioner up there to kind of get things dry and fans to move air around and stuff. And... Decided I better fix the roof, so I'm up on the roof, uh, you know, a few months later, and I'm hammering diff different shingles on, repairing things, and all of a sudden, I heard this huge crash. So I got down, walked upstairs into one of the rooms where I had tore some of the plaster, and the big chunk of plaster came crashing down on the, everything in the room. Dust all over the place. She, you know, this, this uh, plaster stuff is just powdered, and then it's, everything's just filthy with it. <laughs> You know, so after I got the roof, I just walked away and just left it. You know, I didn't care. <laughs> you know, I just knew it was going to create a lot more work for me. But then comes uh, another time, just a, you know, a few months from that. It's before Melissa and Scott had moved to Pipestone. So here, all my kids are coming, all three of them some grandkids, they're all coming out to the farm. And so I've got to get all these bedrooms upstairs cleaned up, worked on, and prepared so there's a place for them to stay. I had to make room for them. So I started early in the spring, realizing they're coming in the first part of the summer and end of the spring. And 
cleaned up that room and started working on it and have to put, tear down some more plaster because it's falling apart. I mean, in the middle of this house is like 140 years old. So that stuff is, it's, it's aged. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm putting sheetrock up there, kind of fitting, fitting things together the way, at least good enough for me anyway. It's not a professional job. <laughs> but so it holds together. Scraping all the old wallpaper off. I mean, there's years of wallpaper up there. And then painting it, getting it all ready, making it look good. And when I finally got done, I just loved to go up there and sit in that room because it looks so nice compared to what it used to look like. And get it all ready so they can come in there and each one could have a bedroom, have a place to sleep. And I tell you that story because that's kind of what the Shunammite woman had to go through. It's not completely like it, but it gives you an idea. I had to make room for my kids, but I wanted to because I wanted them there. I wanted them to be comfortable. I wanted them to have a place that they could come in, even if it was just for a week that they were going to be there. I wanted to do this for them. I could have just swept it out, left a big old hole up there in the roof. They could have slept that way. I wanted it done. You know, so that's, that's, that's what I had to do. This Shunammite woman, I think, did this because she wanted to. She didn't have to. I did it because I wanted my kids to have a place. I didn't have to. I wanted to. Now I want to just look at, go back here and just look at this story here. Elisha comes to this place, and there's this wealthy woman, or my, my version of the scripture says a prominent woman, persuaded him to eat food as, she passed, as he passed by there. And then she began to perceive that this, and tell her husband that, I've perceived that this is a man of God, someone we should pay attention to. I want to make a room for him. So she fixed up a room, and they did all this preparation, just like what I told you about what I had, kind of similar to what I had done. But she made this room and provided a place for him that when she, he came by, he would have a place to rest. I think what God is saying to us in that sense is do we have enough discernment to perceive that God is here right there with you? That the Spirit is right there with you? As a church, do we have enough discernment, enough understanding to realize that God is here? The one who created the earth that we live on, who spoke it out of nothing. There was nothing and he spoke it into existence. Do we have enough discernment, enough understanding to realize he's here? It doesn't matter whether you feel it. Do you realize he's here? How about as individuals? Do you have enough discernment, enough understanding to realize 
God is with you. That Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because he said that, will you make room for him in your heart? Will you take enough time to just be with him and to let him speak to you? I can tell you as a father, I love it when my children speak to me. I love it when my oldest daughter, April, texts me, calls me from wherever she's at. Right now she's in the state of Washington, Seattle. And I love it when I get a text or a message from them. And I can tell you that your heavenly father longs to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. But if we do not discern and understand and take the time to be with him, we're not going to hear him. We're going to hear the world. We're going to hear the noise. We're going to hear television programs. We're going to hear radio blasting in our ears. But we won't hear him. And he alone has the words of life. This woman decided that she was going to make a room for him to stay there. And I think God is saying to us, will you make room for the Holy Spirit in your life to speak to you? And I say it to Life Church. Life Church, will you make room for the Holy Spirit to work in our midst what he wants to do? And I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is like a wind. That's what John wrote in the book of John. You don't know where he's coming from, and you don't know where he's going. And that simply means to me that the Holy Spirit can show up anytime he wants to, do anything he wants to, any way he wants to. And if we put restrictions on the moving of the Holy Spirit, he won't show up. Because we're not going to control the Holy Spirit. He does what he wants to do. But he will do good for you and good for every one of us if we will let him. The prophet, after being there for a while, finally started to think, all of this woman here has done all this for us. I mean, I've got this nice little room, got a bed I can rest in. She feeds me. She does all this. We never asked her to. She just opened it up and made it available for us. She made room for me. Huh. I wonder if I can bless her. I wonder what, does, what things that she would like to have that I could give to her. So she called, he called, called her up. What do you want me to do for you? Should I speak to the king? Her response was, I live among my own people. She says, I don't need anything from the king. What can he do? I don't need from any, anything from those in authority. What can they do? I just live here among my own people. I'm satisfied. I'm okay. But you know the story. She wouldn't ask the prophet for a son. Gehazi discerned that, Gehazi, the, the prophet's servant, discerned that she had no children and wanted a son, but she didn't say it. God knows every desire in your heart, 
Everything that goes on inside of your heart, he knows every desire. And it was there, but she wouldn't say it. But when Gehazi told the prophet, she has no son, the prophet said, call her. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you? Do you know that he's saying, come, come, come to me? I've got something for you. Do you also know that when we say, eh, not now, I'm too busy, we're saying, away with him. I don't have time for you. Do you really want to do that? When the Holy Spirit says, come, it's because he's got something for you. And you're turning away the richest blessing you could ever get when you don't come. Because he saw the deepest desire of the Shunammite woman's heart. I want a son. My husband's old. I will never have a son. But the prophet said to her, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And her statement was, prophet of God, don't lie to me. Don't tell me this. It was almost too much for her to believe it. But the prophet said, no, you're going to have a son. You know what that says to me? She's got... Her, her, her hardness, her inability to really believe it at first was because of the age of her husband. It's not, it can't happen. That's happened before in the, in the Old Testament, hasn't it? How about Abraham and Sarah? It didn't make any difference what the greatest desire of her heart was and how impossible it looked. God said, I don't care. It can happen. It's going to happen. You're going to have a son. He said it through the prophet, and she had a son. Her greatest dream came true. Then there came this one day. The son is out in the field with his father. And he cries out, my head, my head. It's probably sunstroke. Probably been in the sun with not enough liquids too much. And the father said, take him. Take him to his mother. And by noon of that day, he died. This was probably the greatest dream she could ever have, was this son. And now he's dead. I'm going to ask you this. Do you have a dream that God has given you? Do you have a hope that God has given into your heart? And you know he's given it to you. I've had those. And I watched them die. But here's the thing. 
Sometimes God has to take your dream and kill it because you're not ready for it yet. He gave it to you. He wants you to know it, but it has to die because you're not ready for it yet. But I'm also going to tell you that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If he takes your dream, if he gave you the dream, and then he takes it away from you and causes it to die, it's because he's going to resurrect it and give you a new perspective on that dream that only when it dies will you be ready to receive that new perspective and that new understanding. I've had dreams, and they've died. But he has resurrected. I can tell you right now, he has resurrected those dreams. Because, and he caused them to die because I was not ready for them. But in the process of resurrecting that dream, he gave me a total different perspective of it. And I saw why he did what he did. This woman, I can tell you right now, began to understand that God had the power to resurrect because he gave the son back to her. Do you notice, did you notice when we read the scripture what the woman did with her dead son? It really speaks if you, if you caught it. She picked the son up, didn't lay the son on his own bed, but went up to the chamber that she prepared for the prophet and laid her dead son on the prophet's bed. I think that speaks. For when you have a desire that God has given you, you take it to the Holy Spirit. You take it to him. You don't trust in the world. You don't trust in your own ability to make it come to pass because you can't. But you take it back to God and give it to him. You trust him. And that's what she did. And then she told her husband, Give me a donkey to ride on. Give me a servant. And then she told the servant, don't stop unless I tell you to. Go to the prophet. Take me there. I am going. When, he got, when she got there, the prophet didn't understand what was going on. But when she, he began to discern, right away he said, take the staff Gahazi, take the staff, go lay it on the, on, the, on the child. But the woman didn't go. She said, as you live, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. You know, if we had the same determination to never walk away from God, to hold on to God no matter what, how life would change for us. She said, I'm not leaving you. I, 
I told you, don't lie to me. I didn't ask for a son. I told you when you said that you were going that the son was going to happen, not to lie to me. And, and, if, and if that's the case and you did not lie to me, why is my son dead? I believe something can happen and something can be done about this dream that, that is now, now dead. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not leaving your presence unless you, until you go with me. And I think that's a determination that Jesus wants us to have with him. That I'm not leaving you, Jesus, no matter what. I will not walk away from you, no matter what. I don't care how tough life gets, how many dreams die. I'm not walking away from you, Jesus. I can tell you right now, you, you've heard my testimony. And I can tell you that previous to that time, when things got really hard for me, if Jesus was here, I went this way. I walked away from it. And then my heart would ache and I would come back and I'd just say, why did I go away from you? You're the author of life. And I, I can't explain what happened. I never will be able to explain May 19th. He's put a steel and an iron in my heart that I just cannot go away from him. And that's what I want him to do. That's what I want you to understand. Don't go away from Jesus when things get hard. He's the answer. As the Lord lives, I will not go away from you, prophet, until you come with me. The prophet went with him, with her. And when he got there, he shut the door of that chamber that they had made for him with that boy lying on his bed. And he stretched himself over the, over the, 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 the lad. Mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. It's very significant. And some, you, could, you could look at this as face to face with God. That close. That's where you need to be in the struggle. That's where you need to be with a dream that God has given you, with a hope that God has given you. That's where you need to be, face to face with God, in the midst of difficulties and struggles. Not wandering off someplace, not listening to somebody else. I don't want Gehazi. I want the man of God. I don't want the world. I don't want what it says. I don't want to listen to its music. I don't want to listen to its political nonsense. I want to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's life. That's what I want to hear. Mouth to mouth because... I want the breath of God in me. 
the Holy Spirit. Eye to eye, because I want to see what he sees. And I'm telling you right now, we need a vision. Each one of you need a vision. This church needs a vision. The word says in Proverbs, without a vision, the people are unrestrained or the people perish. We need a vision that we cannot explain. That's from God. This woman had a vision provided by the prophet, and she couldn't explain it because her husband was too old. But it happened. We need a vision in this church that we can't explain, that only the Holy Spirit can do. Because it's not by understanding. It's not by intellect. It's not by playing this book here, but not here. That doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I studied the Hebrew and got good grades. I studied the Greek and got good grades, and I could use it pretty well, and I still can if I need to. I got almost straight A's in Bible college, and I had it all. I had it all up here. But it never did for me what May 19th and the power of the living God did for me on that day because he came right straight up my heart. All that intellect never did it for me until the Holy Spirit hit me with the truth like he did that two years ago. That brought the deliverance. That broke the power of the evil one. That set me free. We need a vision that cannot be explained. And a vision that comes straight from God. That will keep you rock solid right at him. That will restrain you. That will hold you on course. Hand to hand. That means we're going to do what the Spirit of the Lord tells us to do. This prophet stretched himself over the sun. And I'm telling you, God wants to throw himself upon every struggle of your life. He will throw his entire being upon you to change your life, to change the situations of your life, to upon this church to accomplish his purpose and his plan. You know, over the last few years, we've gone through a lot. And God has been faithful. This woman, when she saw her son die, she went to the prophet. Why? Why didn't she just dig a grave and bury him? And the reason is because she knew this story was not over. Life Church, the story is not over. We have barely just begun. I've been in this church since 95. 1995. 
I've heard the word of the Lord spoken to this church again and again and again. And I know he's got big plans. And I know he has a vision we can't explain. And we need to stop looking outward to fulfill that vision and look upward. That's the only way we're ever going to do it. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by intellect. It's not by wisdom and understanding. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Like I said, I I cannot explain May 19th. I never will be able to. I just know it. Life Church, that's what he wants to do. To get us to that place, we just know it. We know that when the drug addict comes in here, he can be delivered. We know it when the person who does not believe in Jesus, who has cursed him, can meet the living God and bow the knee before him and be saved. The story is not over. And the power of the Holy Spirit is moving here in this place. He's working in hearts and he's working in lives. He's changing people. I see it. But I want more. It's not enough. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm longing for more. I've seen too much. I've been in the very fire of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm not going to go into it, but if you want to know why I've been in the fire of the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you. Just ask me, I'll tell you. God has done something that kind of surprised me this week. It's happened before to me, but he spoke to me. And I, I write a lot of things down when God starts speaking. I write them down. I have notebooks full of things. But God said something, some, some things to me about certain to, to tell certain people in this congregation. And so I'm going to do it. Jenny. Sometimes you feel like you are in a wilderness and don't know what to do or where to go. God says, I met Hagar in the wilderness and open up a well of water for her. I know you are thirsty and longing for something 
Seek me more than you ever have before, and I will open up a well for you that will never run dry. I am the God of the well who sees you and knows you. I am for you a strong right arm. I am the strength of your life. I am plowing a pathway ahead of you to walk on. Do not fear or be afraid. I am here with you, closer than your breath. Peace to you, my precious daughter. You will feel my presence, but when you do not, I am still there. There is no condemnation, no guilt, no shame. You, Jenny, are the joy of my heart, says the Father. Pastor Dave, I did not purposely run you through all the testing you have been through, but I knew they were coming. My eyes are upon you. I watched you to see what you would do, and I found a man after my own heart. When the fire burned you, you did not run. You obeyed me. I saw the hurt in you. I saw the love you have for people, even if they hurt you. My son, Jesus loved people, even those that nailed him to the cross. I say that you are like my son and that you want to be like him. You are my son, and I am pleased with you. You have stood the test, and your faith is becoming like gold to me. I hear your prayers. I hear your prayers and the cry of your heart. Do not be dismayed. I am the vision that you need, and I will come to you, and you will know you will know the power of my Holy Spirit, not just in your head, but in your heart. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and the author of everything you need. Charity. Charity. God the Father is... God the Father is so delighted with you. His heart just sings over you. But know this, you are going to hear the singing of heaven and a door is going to open that will allow you to hear and see in the spiritual realm what your heart has longed for. Don't be afraid to go through that door. Jesus is there with you so much more. For, Jesus is there with so much more for you. What you sing will be filled with power from on high, above the earth. I hear the song, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Listen to the chains falling on the floor as you sing. 
It will be the music of heaven. Do not fear what is before you. Jesus is there in the power, in love towards you like you have yet never known. But you will know his powerful love like waves crashing into you, deep in you, has been calling to the deep in God. And he has you. I'm sorry, I must be missing something. Deep in you has been calling to the deep in God. Cameron, I don't have this written down because it just came to me. God has a great love for you. He sees the exuberance in your heart. He sees the joy you have in worshiping him and reading his word. And it just makes him delighted. And he longs to just give you more. More of him. More of, a, of, of his word towards you. More understanding. More, more life that just exuberates out of you. Just like a river bubbling up and flowing out. Gushing out. That's what he wants to give you. Because he sees it in you. And he wants to give you more. And he will. Life Church. I've spoken these things to individuals, but I want you to know that there are parts and pieces in every one of those messages that speak the heart of God towards each one of you. That he wants to do something here. And what he's really longing for is that each one of you take the time to be with him and listen you don't have to talk all the time in prayer. Prayer is just, can be very, just be silent before him. That's not an easy thing to do. I do that. But sometimes I find myself thinking about this thing and about this thing, and then I have to rein it back in. I'm th thinking about the Lord. But he wants you to make room for him. Make room for him. What if the Shunammite woman would have saw this man of God walk by and never had asked him to come in and have lunch? What if he just said, nah, he's a man of God, so shrugged her shoulders and walked away? She would never have had a son. She would have never saw the power of resurrection. See, that's one of the things I want to stay right here, say right there too. When things disappoint you and they hurt you and they collapse in front of you and your dream dies, God is going to show you his power. He's going to make it known what he can do. Because the 
hard things don't happen, you're never going to see the power that he has to change it. And I can tell you right now, the process of going through those disappointments, the process is what God is interested in. Because that process changes you. That process makes you more like him. Don't let the struggles make you bitter. Let the struggles bring you closer to him. And let the struggles show you who he really is and how powerful he is. And with this thought, I'm, I'm going to, I'll close, I'll stop. There, there, I just say it straight up. We are sitting, we are on this earth, and God has told us, do not love the world or the things of the world. You're in this world, but don't be of it. This world is called Satan's domain, and it is because he stole it by tempting to Eve. So it's, it, it, it's, it, this, it all belongs to, to, the, to the evil one right now, only under the supervision of God. I mean, God draws limits on what the devil can do. And so here we are as believers in the midst of a, of, of a, of, of a world that, that, that Satan runs in and rules in. And God has called us to live a holy life and to hold fast to him and to believe him. Not to just, I'm just going to hold on until the Lord comes. No, <laughs> we're going to take territory. We're going to live victoriously to the chagrin of Satan. That's what he wants. That's what God wants. Satan can't stop us. He's nothing. He's a created being. And the Old Testament makes it quite clear that he don't amount to much. He just has the ability to, de to deceive. That's all. Don't believe him. Listen to the Lord. Hold fast to him and make room for him. Make room for him. Make room for him. Because you cannot hear what he has to say to you if you don't make room for him. The Shunammite woman never would have heard this year, this, this time next year, you'll have a son. This time, this is going to happen to you. But you can't hear that if you don't make room for God. You can't have that vision if you don't make room for him. And he's the one, when he says something, remember, he said, let there be an earth. And there was an earth out of nothing, a vision we cannot explain. He can do it. Father God, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for what you can do in our lives, even when it looks impossible. Thank you for the testimonies that we have heard that says this did not look good, but look what has happened. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. And you can make us truly alive. Help us to make room for you, to hear you, and to believe you. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.